<laughs> Welcome to Burning Okay, what is up? We are in the fiery dark depths of hell. I am with comedian Sam Arill, who is in a form of hell known as Tampa. He is one of the best joke writers in the city. I'm a little biased. He's also a New Yorker, and he has specials out on YouTube. He's been on every late night show. He's the man around town. Sam, welcome to hell. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is hotter than hell in Tampa. It's like 90 here. It's crazy. I was just saying, you have a lot of bits about Tampa, and I feel like New Yorkers love to make fun of Florida in a fun way, but um, how's it going It's down good. There? Yeah, I've played this club every year for like the last decade, so it just, uh, it used to be run by this crazy drunk uh, named Bobby <laughs> Jewell, who's, who was hilarious. He had like a hair piece. We love and, a full name. Yeah. Call out. Oh, <laughs> uh, whatever. He doesn't, he's, he'd be honored. He, he likes the attention. Like he, he will, he's the type of dude that would walk into the club and, and kind of pose like he was Al Bundy on Married with Children. Like, like he thought he deserved applause when he walked in and he would just, he was just absurd human being, hair piece, Charlie oh, yeah. Sheen, two and a half men shirt, 58, but he <laughs> kills a bottle of whiskey in one sitting easy. <laughs> And he would call you a pussy for not keeping up. And you're like, dude, he's like, you used to used to be a man and drink with me. I was like, yeah, I was 24. <laughs> like, I have I have things to do now. <laughs> I can't slur my entire set. He's one um, of those dudes. He'll give you a drink. And instead of like, he'd be like, you pussy. I'm like, this is your club. <laughs> he would he would call people across the club. He, he, he would look at customers and be like, what are you looking at, pussy? And I'd be like. This is your venue. What, what's wrong with you? He's heckling his own customers. He was nuts, but he was hilarious. I mean, he really was funny. I recently had a club owner. I asked, I was like, can I film my set? And he was like, I don't know. There might be some couples out there that, you know, are cheating on their significant others, and I don't want anyone to see them. I was like, God. what? Yeah, what an idiot. Were you also in Tampa? Is that what it was? <laughs> Pretty much the same. Yeah. But, um... I love that you have these two specials out on YouTube that have accumulated truly like viral views. And um, you're also doing great on TikTok. <laughs> and you're an old school, co- which I appreciate. You're an old school comic. Like you started from basements in Brooklyn or wherever you were. I'm just yeah. making that up. I don't know your story. <laughs> but you've kind of warmed up to the idea of like the digital media and using it to just have your jokes be heard more. What is it like becoming a digital influencer? <laughs> well, you know, you have to, you have to uh, put your ego to the side a little bit. Cause you know, a lot of comics are like, I just want to be on this platform or that platform. Well, early on I yeah. was on those platforms. You know, I did two comedy central specials and yeah. no one watches TV. So you get money, but no one watches. So you're just on the road, like expecting people to come out from the special and they're not there. So it's crazy that they you, they start coming out once you put it on YouTube. And uh, mm-hmm. I have friends who would mock me for being on TikTok. They'd be like, my friend Joe Mackey's like, hey, they take your data. And I'm just like, <laughs> cool, I need to sell tickets on the road if I'm gonna keep doing this. So t- take my data. Hell yeah. I mean, anyone who's on their phone, everyone knows everything already. So I know. It's like, it. Are you on Facebook? Guess what they're doing? You know? Yeah. We're, we're all, also, I'll take attention all... wherever I can get it. Someone cares to take my data. That's kind of makes me feel good about myself. Exactly. Like we, we're all screwed at this point. You have a smartphone. You, you're on Facebook. <laughs> like it's same with those vaccine people. They're like, they're going to put a government yeah. chip in me. Okay. But you're on Facebook. They know. Where, and also guess what? They know where you are. They're, if they want to find you, they'll find you. Also, if you eat deli meat, you can take the vaccine. Um, true. Very true. 
Also, I, I did a little research on you beforehand because we've met briefly in the scene, but I've never been able to like truly delve into your mind. So I'm excited <laughs> about this. Why are people calling you the Taylor Swift of comedy? Oh, uh, that was, I think, just a joke because I put out two specials last year. So they were like, oh, he's just <laughs> he's throwing everything away. He's just giving everything away. I think that was a joke. <laughs> or because like during quarantine, she put together like a cool special. What's cool about what you did is you went on rooftops, random people's rooftops, and because you, I'm just explaining what you did. <laughs> I did a little research. Most specials you'd like record it two or three times and you take the best bits, but you said the shows were so crazy that you just kept kind of filming throughout and edited together a ton of rooftops, but like strangers' rooftops. Yeah, well, my friend Matt Salakus, who directed it, uh, he he was filming me and he was like, this is beautiful. Like, this looks so cool on the roofs. We have to just keep doing it. And also, like, everyone thought that was some, like, bold artistic choice that I did all these yeah. roofs. I couldn't have a good set all the way through because a mic would go <laughs> out or something crazy would happen on the roof. So we kept some of the ugliness because it was uh -huh. funny. But I, yeah. I, I, yeah, it looked cool to get all those different backdrops. And it did seem like kind of like special to do it and you know you know do a show in murray hill do one in bushwick do one in mm -hmm. the west village doing in williamsburg so that was kind of cool and matt was like this will be like manhattan the opening of manhattan like where he yeah but, but you know without the pedophilia type guilt <laughs> associated with it no he wasn't a pedophile but she was like 17 18 whatever she was where you're like i don't feel good about this and uh and also we all know what goes along with woody so you know <laughs> it, it it was a special experience and I do look at it now and like, man, I'm proud I did that just on these rooftops. We'd find roofs by, I'd put it in Instagram stories because I do yeah. all these shows and they'd be like, come, come to the East River Amphitheater. You can do 10 minutes. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to go. I need at least 45 minutes to build an act. I, that's why I'm on the road every week. I can't write in the city. I need to be away where they let me do an hour. So I just started organizing my own shows. I said, give me a roof, a mic, an amp, bring some White Claw or beer and I'll show up and bring your friends. So I've also heard that you have some social anxiety as so do I. That takes balls to like go to a Murray Hill friend group and be like, can I make some jokes in front of you? Yeah, well it started because a couple people were like, you know, because the clubs weren't open and we needed somewhere to perform. And, and someone yeah. was like, will you perform my roof? I'll pay you. And I was like, all right. That was the thing. <laughs> is that I did one for free because they were like all, it was like open mic or comics house and I didn't charge anybody. And they all showed up late or they didn't show up. And I was like, oh, I need to charge people or they won't have mm -hmm. any investment in the roof show. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was so weird, but we just kept doing it. And I'm so glad I did it, but at the same time, it's something I never want to do again. Like I look at some of the laughs, laughs I got, and I'm like, man, I would kill to hear that joke pop in a club with ceilings and a wall, because uh, the jokes just disappear into the air. Were you ever tempted to do that thing where they do in specials, where like you make people laugh in the beginning and just pull their audio and beef up the laughs? I it just would have sound weird because it was outdoors, so they would have known <laughs> it was a lie. You know, I, I it's a it, it was. It was really a, an amazing experience because of like, you're right, it is weird to just show up at someone's home 
And a lot of them just didn't believe I'd show up. Like I, it, I felt like a realtor or something. I, like they'd send me roof pictures. I'd be like, "This isn't. I can't work with this. Give me something else." You know, I'd like I'd look at roofs and I'd send to Matt Salakus, the director, and he would be like, "No, this is this is too steep. This is too narrow. We we can't fit mm-hmm. enough people on this roof." So we were mm-hmm. rejecting people's roofs. It was so weird. Uh, and then he brought his friend Dominic Mall, who showed up with a drone camera. So we got these overhead city views. Oh yeah, the opening shot was so sick and aesthetically pleasing where you like see the bridge in the background and you're standing there but then you really see that there's like 14 people yeah well that was down by the south street seaport and we couldn't use anything from that show i mean this is an example Mm -hmm. of all the things that went wrong we couldn't use any audio from that show because i don't know what happened but for some reason the audio just kept cutting out so we couldn't get Mm -hmm. a joke all the way through i mean the crowd was horrible that show anyway but uh that that's usually you get one or two jokes i had a few big pops here that we could have used but like you're just you're not consistently getting explosive laughs outdoors so that's kind of why i had to shift around to get yeah the laughs naturally will die and go back to like quiet or just hear the buzz of the city for even pigeon shits on you i mean you've done distance shows right even with the distance shows you're kind of like man i did a show in arlington dc it's in a movie theater and people were kind of distanced and the last would just the ceilings were too high the last kind of go away and you're like that's where you realize you need a good crowd will keep the laughter going to the next joke so you have momentum and each joke keeps killing harder and harder and you get in a rhythm and it's almost like you're playing off their energy there's like a dance and there's no dance you're like dancing kind of alone on on a roof show I love how comedians become like sound engineers. Like after a show, I'll go up to the comics and I'm like, is that angle of the of the ceiling kind of weird for how it'll hit? And they're like, yeah, 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 this is not going to work. Like oh, we all are obsessed oh, with the, <laughs> like, the oh, architecture man. and the lighting and yeah. the everything. When I used to watch comedy as just a fan and I, I would never think that the comics even know about the crowd or care about the crowd yeah. or the venue i think they're just thinking about like their lines when like the last thing you think about is your material i feel like yeah no i usually have a decent idea unless i'm doing a ton of new stuff mm-hmm. in which case i'm like i just bring the notes up anyway now i'm just you know it i i, I that's a big problem of mine too I'll, I'll spend a lot of the day writing and then i'll just memorize like two lines of it and be like all right this is this is going to take a while like the the jokes you have but then i also am like well i'm going to work i can write a lot but then i i mm-hmm. if i spend half the day memorizing then i'm kind of screwed you know because okay. i don't i don't get to try it at all as a new comic i will joke with my fiance des because he'll be like okay write new jokes and then i'll write a ton of jokes because that's how i work i like won't write shit and then i'll write a ton at once but then i cannot find a way to put them all in in the act like that night like there's everyone has a different way of structuring it but it's interesting that you go on the road and you kind of you like to write on stage and like and off stage and have that full hour to kind of make mistakes or grow or twist and turn well yeah exactly i try to sneak it in like if i have a bit on uh cops i can segue into a bit to race or something right if i've been Mm -hmm. on race i can segue into like a black lives matter protest joke and i can just keep Mm -hmm. segueing and i can keep finding subjects so it sounds like it's the same joke going on and on and that's a good way to sneak new jokes in because if the joke bombs you just sandwich it in between other ones so it just kind of you can kind of keep it rolling i think yes and you're considered one of the hardest working comics in the city and and that's like New York comics are crazy in that way, doing like 16, 17, 18 sets a week. At what point when quarantine hit, were you scared for your life? 
of like <laughs> like how long did you not do comedy i didn't do it a lot i didn't do a lot of shows i mean i would still try to write but a lot of my writing is on stage so it's pretty tough and uh i didn't feel like i was being productive and it was it was probably the worst time of my life i was staying with my girlfriend in california and we were having a lot of fun but she's also a comic and i think she uh was similarly losing her mind so uh <laughs> it's tough two comics like that's all these that we they, they wanted to do a reality show about us there was like an offer and i was just like yeah that's what i want to be a fucking reality star now that like i'm already spiraling out of control you uh, don't have to personally attack me i know but, i'm sorry <laughs> no, no, i'm just kidding I'm so, i completely agree but also but how are you going you social anxiety, how do you have social anxiety and you're on a reality <laughs> show that's to me insane you never you never see that you never I see i didn't come here to make friends mostly because of my social anxiety that's why <laughs> no like it was this party show but i actually like don't like drinking that much and i have social anxiety <laughs> So I, and like for a comic, it's not a great mix, but also if you were to do, my last season of Summer House was during quarantine. We were locked in a house. So obviously it's your craziest moments. So like, yeah, you and your girlfriend stuck inside during your craziest moments is reality TV gold, but you'll get torn apart because you'll be so fucking vulnerable and not like really your authentic self during that time. But I do feel like stand-up comedy is a form of reality TV where you're showing a version of like your life and your thoughts, but you get to control the editing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. It's like point. confessionals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you we are now all throwing up clips all the time, and we are throwing, so it's like, but that's so important to comics, like the having final cut, right? I mean, that's why I hate doing specials on like when you're in a group, like I did the half hour on Comedy Central, you're not in the mm -hmm. editing room. They butcher, you know, parts of a story to fit commercial breaks. And I don't think it's meant to be seen like that. Like you'd never do that to a movie, right? So mm -hmm. that always bothered me. And then, you know, I've done America's Got Talent. I've done Last Comic Standing. Like it sucks mm -hmm. when someone else tries to tell the story of your life because yeah. they're never going to tell it in a way that's pleasing to you. A thousand percent. Because also we're so much more complex than like whatever line they're putting in somewhere to make a bigger story work. Yeah, but it's, those shows are casting. So they're like, this guy will be this, this guy will be that. So, yep. oh man, America's Got Talent was one of the worst experiences of my life. I mean, why? Because they, they just don't care about you. They just treat you like dog shit. Like I'd be there <laughs> and uh, I'd be like in a, in a casting room for, you know, uh, was it NBC, whatever it's on. And you're mm -hmm. just sitting there and I'm just like, I have social anxiety. It's like, it's one thing to be around comics who are driving you nuts, but these are people who are nuts from all walks of life. Like my mom is, <laughs> my mom is texting me and she's just like, just read a book. And I'm like, mom, there's two, there's a fat couple from Atlantic City dancing Mambo number five, two feet next to me. You think I can get lost in literature right now? I'm losing it. So you're there for like 12 hours. They, they're like, you're watching the crew eat like craft services while they throw like a cold tuna sandwich at you. And then you're like hungry. You're like this. I'm hungry. I'm malnourished. Yeah, they don't feed you. They barely feed you. They feed you just Bring enough. snacks well, if you're on reality TV. They want you to be irritable on camera. And then, yeah. and boy, I'm, I'm already irritable. Even if you feed me. I'm, I mean, look, I'm, a, I'm my back's out. I got my therapy gun right here i'm losing my mind so, also you have the pointiest theragun oh, which no. is i don't know what that means i know about i have the other heads i was just do, i okay, do the pointy good. one for my for my spine i try to get in there got it but i uh <laughs> man i sound like an annoying jew but uh and this is the other head i use for my massage this is great uh content right here i'm giving you and then yeah so then you're losing your mind you get called up it was it sucked for me because i was there the year simon cowell was a judge and i feel like oh. howard stern would have liked me way more because mm -hmm. he he appreciated stand-ups 
Uh, yep. But Simon, in the first round, I watched him just eviscerate this uh <laughs> this jewish or like orthodox jewish rapping combo and i was like i thought they were pretty good it was kind of like <laughs> i was like these guys are kind of interesting at least and he just eviscerated them and they kind of walked mm-hmm. off and they're like you're up next i'm like great <laughs> and i did some theater and i crushed the theater it went really well i i knew they were trying to hate me so i simon's like tell me your worst uh comedy story and I just told a story about a guy walking up to me and spitting on me that was a pretty mm-hmm. bad one during a set mm-hmm. and uh I was he's like well I hope you're better tonight so I was like all right I built some you know maybe you know underdog uh like ability to go into this mm-hmm. and, it, and I killed then after I get off stage they go well let you I got a standing O in that in a 5,000 seater did wow. like my best jokes killed even Simon was like I didn't want to like you but I, and I'm like why why didn't you want to like me what the <laughs> hell is wrong with you uh, you're not a, you're, you seem like a biased judge so it went really well I get off stage and they're like we'll see if you move on I'm like what do you mean we'll see they just said you moved on they're like that's not how it works so we got to run it past we got to run it up the ladder and I'm like scary spice that's not the ladder like what the hell <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting forever and uh, after a month they're like we'll see you again so I go back out there um, and they put me in a hotel. There's a like construction, so you can't sleep. Uh, you're, you're staying in the hotel. They have you uh, there for like 12 hours. I, I, they're like, your call time's 10 a.m. Like, all right, I go on stage at midnight. That's what time they have me go on. So I'm just in a room with people. They're trying to get you to shit talk the other acts. I would just troll them. Like, they, they would be like, FaceTime your girlfriend. And then I would just say things like, I'd be like, wouldn't it be cool if you sat on my face right now? And they'd be like, we can't use this. I'm like, good. I only want you to use the stand-up. I don't like whatever. And they're like, wouldn't it be cool to win? And you do a residency in Vegas? And I'd be like, no, Vegas fucking sucks. I hate Vegas. (laughs) So then finally, they they put me on the late show. And I do fine. But I, you know, Simon's like, you were funnier the first time. He's like, you were fu- you were fine, but you were funnier the first time. I'm like, well, it's midnight, and these uh, audience here has been here for ten hours, so this isn't ideal. And I also followed like a Destiny's Child ripoff. It was just a bad situation. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, people love that show. People love. Sorry, that was the longest story ever. <laughs> no, I was really into it because I I was into American Idol growing up. Also, I w- used to watch your show on MSG. No, you didn't. I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a Knicks fan. I know, but I feel like no one watched that show. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, apparently got nominated for an Emmy. We got nominated for a local Emmy, which in New York is not, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, cause you're up against like, you know, the Joe Girardi show on the Yankees yeah. network. I was like, this is kind of cool. So we got nominated for an Emmy. Uh, they uh-huh. hated me at the MSG network. They did not find me <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> They would literally cut, I would do a monologue and they would cut every joke and I was just like, they'd be like, you're punk rock for this network, you're comedy. I'd be like, you guys hate me. You you all hate me. <laughs> so it was a nightmare, but uh, but I also had a great time because I got to interview all these cool people and I'm a huge oh Knicks God. fan, so it was, it was insane. I feel like it was cool because you seem like that guy next door that could be like at the bar watching any <laughs> anything with you so you sitting there with like michael strahan or like whoever you were interviewing i could tell you were excited and there was yeah. something like very relatable about it and then you had that little round table with like people i knew so that was fun it was so I fun. I think I was biased, maybe. No, but probably. I it. <laughs> it was such a New York show. I mean, I, it was definitely the format I wanted, and I loved I mean, mm-hmm. I basically, we basically just copied Bill Maher's format. I would do like a little stand-up, an interview, yep. and then a, a, a panel. So it was pretty much a, a half-hour version of that. And uh, yeah. yeah, I got to interview like Fat Joe and Action Bronson <laughs> and, you know, uh, Daryl Strawberry, Evander Holyfield. It was, it was insane. They're on, but I, a lot you... of them are on YouTube. 
did you also feel like you weren't able to be yourself or were you just full yourself and then let them destroy it in the edit? A little bit of both. Like I was definitely yeah. toned. Like they would make, Nick's would make a bad sign in. I'd be like, why did they pay all this money to Tim Hardaway Jr.? And they'd be like, you can't critique the team on their <laughs> network. You know, so basically I, you know, I just had to, it, I would say, well, this is how fans talk. You hire, you hire me to be a fan. And yeah. so they would always get, I remember when Charlottesville happened, I did a whole monologue that I thought was really funny and kind of condemned them while also being really silly. And mm-hmm. I got off and it was like a big applause from the crew. And I was like, oh, that was, that was epic. I like high-fived Anthony DeVito, who's my co-host. And, yeah. I, and I asked the producer, I was like, so, so he's like, that was great. I was like, you're going to use it? He goes, none of it, none of it at all. We'll make it. <laughs> And I was like, wait, why? And he's like, because we have fans upstate. And I was like, upstate? And he's like, you know, fans upstate New York. And I was just like, racist? What is that? What? I don't know what that means. <laughs> People that support <laughs> the Jews will not replace us. And they were just like, we can't. But I mean, the thing is, I, I had I met a lot of great people there, too. I did. I had a great time, but it, it did. In some ways, it really uh it bummed me out because I want I, it's hard to make a good sports comedy show. And I feel like we had the ingredients and it was, we were mm-hmm. just very censored because it's not you know i get it it's it's like a family type network sporting Mm -hmm. events have become more family oriented i completely understand but i always wanted to make like a sports show the way as you said like the guy at the bar who's i I don't even need to be dirty it's just the way you would talk yeah exactly and i also feel like that experience though might have helped you make those decisions to go for YouTube because you've had so much censoring experience. But also, do you have any fear now that the world is kind of censoring a lot of comedy? Like with what you put out there, do you think twice? What's your mental state on that? I don't really worry. I don't think about it too much. I mean, I definitely like, you know, corporations are definitely much more paranoid. I mean, uh, I I don't think about it because I just don't feel like I have that much to lose. Like, what are they going to do? Like, take away my YouTube special? (laughs) I'm playing strip malls. Like, what can you really take from me? I I don't know. If I was on like a hit TV show, maybe I'd be like, ooh, should I write this joke? But I also feel like, yeah, I I do think a lot of the times we act like people are outraged, but really it's just like 10 people on Twitter and they get, they, they want attention. Then, there are always going to be people that you walk from the crowd mm-hmm. at shows. There's always mm-hmm. going to be people that you don't, that don't like your humor, but like there are people that are going to be offended by Brian Regan and the cleanest comedians yeah. ever. So I, you know, Jim Gaffigan's offended people and Jim is, <laughs> you know, and Jim is like, you'd think would be so mainstream. I mean, he Anti-Cinnabon is. people, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, the hot pocket. They're like, <laughs> we don't like hot pockets. This is offensive. No, he, uh, <laughs> No, Jim's one of the best ever. And and it's like, it's hilarious to me that no matter what you do, you'll offend people. So mm-hmm. just do what you feel comfortable with. And I'm way more worried a joke is hack than it's going to offend mm. people. That's where my, my fears are. But yeah, I, we've all crossed the line. Like, you, you know why? Because they keep moving the goalpost in. It, so mm-hmm. sometimes an edgy joke doesn't age very well. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. You could just say, well, that was funny at the time. And maybe mm-hmm. it's not funny now. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, shit, there's jokes on The Office where you're like, they couldn't do that today. That's just how comedy works. That's Yeah, I, I saw you in an article on like 30 Rock. They use the R word, sure. as they say, Alec Baldwin, who <laughs> I don't know what he's up to now. But yeah, things have obviously evolved and changed. But I want to go a little more into your mental health, getting a little darker in sure. hell. So you have social anxiety, but you are able to go in front of huge crowds and speak publicly can you tell me more about when you knew you had social anxiety, how it manifests within you? 
Well, yeah, I think I feel it more like the show is easy. The meet and greet is hard. You know, the, the, the being yourself is a little harder. I mean, I perform every night. Um, so I'm just so used to being on stage. I mean, it, there's a difference between entertaining and uh, connecting. Mm. You know, I do feel like mm -hmm. a joke in some ways. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with this, but I do think like you are kind of deflecting with a joke. You're kind of pushing people like you're letting them in sometimes, but you're also like, a, like if I make a joke in therapy, he's like, you're, you're pushing away. You're, you're making a joke so you don't have to go deeper. So I think going deeper is sometimes more taxing. Do you think that's why you date comedians? <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting. I think... The comedian I'm dating now, I think, is is obviously very funny and and very very smart. And I think she's someone who who is doing has done a lot of work on herself. Like she's in therapy. I'm in. She pushed me to get back into therapy. And Hell yeah. wouldn't you know it, I needed it. So uh, <laughs> I mean, holy shit! Session one, I was like shaking. I'm like shit. Uh, so yeah, no. I mean, I think what I like about her is that she's. Uh, it's not that she's a comedian. It's that she's hardworking and uh driven and look at you being all cute right now yeah no I, and the, and I, <laughs> I there's a lot to like about her so i think that's that's definitely i don't think it's like i want it no i don't think i want it i didn't want to date a comedian so i think it's like mm -hmm. i like her in spite of her being a comedian if that makes sense i love that because same i told myself i'm like don't let's not mess around with comedians and now i'm engaged to a comedian but it's like it might be the initial thing that you kind of connect over similarities but then yeah i'm actually with a comedian who because he's older like i don't know if when he was 35 we would have been able to make it sure. work and i love that she pushed you to go to therapy yeah i think uh man i've definitely i remember i was dating a girl in college and she was like uh not a comedian at all uh but she she would say uh, I hadn't met my biological father yet, and she was like, whenever we, because she was a, a psych major and both her parents were psychiatrists. Whenever we'd fight, she'd go, "Who are you really yelling at?" And I'd be like, "That's oh so God. unfair. That's that so fucking so unfair." <laughs> Wait, yeah. I love that. I might use that if I need <laughs> Who to. Who are you really yelling? Yeah, no, I I like that she pushed me. Like she did it in a healthy way, where she's like, "I think this will be important for you." And uh, it is. I think therapy, I don't like think everyone needs it, but I think it can mm -hmm. certainly help. If you think you need it, then it, it for me, it's very helpful. Well, yeah, if it helps you like love yourself more, it's only going to help you be better with how you relate to other people. If I don't you're think it helps me love yourself. myself, but I think it makes me understand <laughs> myself. I think Sam, it do you love yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think loving yourself is unhealthy. I think like, I think liking yourself is good, but loving yourself is almost like, too much it's almost like like i love you know who loves himself is like dudes with like a fucking ponytail Pink who top. walk around shirtless <laughs> like that's that dude loves himself you know that's beautiful because i was thinking about happiness and like happiness is actually not being really happy all the time it's just like being content like sure. happiness is like being really happy is when like you get something but that's not an actual like sustainable emotion it's more like the day-to-day -day when you're sitting on the subway not having panic attacks and just Accepting. like being content acceptance yeah, yeah I, I definitely i have a hard time letting good feelings in Ooh, I like love if someone this. like my girlfriend will tell me she's like comics look up to you and i don't feel that at all and so it's it's weird i don't uh she'll say things like that i don't i don't see so or, or mm -hmm. I'm, I'm incapable of feeling i if something's really good, 
there's something also about this business just beating the hell out of you where when I get something from the industry, I'm, I'm never like, yay. I'm always like, yeah, where the fuck have you been the last 15 years? So <laughs> I'm never like, it's like, <laughs> it's like tennis when you hit a winner, like Serena hits a winner and she gets mad. She's like, yeah, I should have every fucking point. <laughs> I don't look at it like I should have every point, but I look at it like, you know, I've been working. I've been working hard. So I, I, it is hard. I think that a lot of comics feel that way. I think you just have to work so hard for such a little reward. And like, yeah, you the the bigger reward is you get to tell jokes and make money doing that. So that's pretty damn yeah. cool. So I, in some ways I've, you know, I am living the life I wanted to live. But mm -hmm. you also, I yeah, I have a hard time. When something good happens, I have a hard time feeling it for sure. So do you like, um, get a high off of trolls comments then you're like yeah i'm fucking not funny yeah no, i'm not a masochist i don't think <laughs> i don't think i don't i i really i'm really happy i used to read way more comments i don't really do that as much as i used to mm -hmm. i i try mm -hmm. to stay away from that i don't it's healthy i don't but i do do this i do tend to if i'm on stage and i see one person with their arms crossed in the front row i'm like i'm i could be killing with 99.9 percent .9 of the room and i'm focus on this one dude who just looks miserable like there was a girl in atlantic city in the front row and with her boyfriend and he was having an all right time but she looked so unhappy and i was just like did you have to sit in the front row like i can see how miserable you are did he drag you like why are you here and she was just like yeah he's, if you need he, help blink twice <laughs> but she well, she just says he, he dragged me he's the fan i was like i know but you didn't have like you're not <laughs> like you could fake it a little bit for his enjoy if he's a fan like this isn't i can't imagine it's fun for him to be with someone who's this miserable like if i'm in like a clothing store with my girlfriend i'm not happy but i can fake it for you know 30 minutes and be like oh this is a cool scarf it's like sex sometimes you don't want to do it but you know he's into it and you could act like his that dick doesn't is work the other way seconds. i don't think we shift that in that works or i'm getting canceled so that may work for the ladies but that doesn't work for me. <laughs> that was a thin <laughs> if line. If she's in that not one. into that, uh, <laughs> then you better fucking run for the hills. So, what is your biggest physical insecurity? <sighs> physical. Well, I have horrible back and neck pain, so I think you know, getting out of shape for me is is really hard. Like, a, a, people tell me I look exactly the same, but I feel out of shape and I feel mm. phys feeling physically weak when you travel all the time is, is a big one for me mm. because I've Did never you play sports as a kid. Yeah. I played basketball and a little mm -hmm. baseball. Yeah. Mm. I love, I mean, I love, dunks? I still play. I can't dunk. No, I'm six <laughs> three and I can't dunk. I'm an embarrassment to tall people. I mean, up until a couple months ago, I mean, my neck's just been killing me, but I would play constantly outdoors. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I'm back to that soon. They, who was it? It was Andrew Santino who told me he thinks a lot of comics are either athletes or addicts or both. Do you believe that? Huh. Well, it depends what type of addicts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're all, I mean, a comics who are athletes are always weird to me because it's like, I guess you have to be very disciplined to be an athlete, right? And a good mm -hmm. comic, you have to be disciplined. Like you have to kind of wake up and write the way an athlete would wake up and work out. So I guess there's mm -hmm. a parallel there. As for addicts, yeah, a lot of comics I know are sober for sure. Yeah, yeah. I do think that with athletics though, like you work hard and then you like play and you either win or lose where comedy is so much more like smoke and mirror sometimes. Like you could work your ass off and the industry will never like give you that break or you could work your ass off and you think you do well, but 
it's one other person. You don't have like a W or an L. After well, I think the problem is waiting for the industry to give you a break too. Cause it's like, yeah. fuck them. You know, they, they think they're these tastemakers or, or people that, you know, pick, but with the internet, as we said, like, look, look, you have your own podcast that does well. You make your own shit. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, I think the way to go and to not wait around and it'll feel satisfying when they finally do come around to say, I don't need you. I did it myself. So, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously everyone gets help. No one's done it alone. Like a lot of comp, but people you're help like me. You're like Netflix, if you're listening, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> For real though. I really, I, I feel comics have helped me out more than anyone. So, oh, yeah. you know, like, like Amy Schumer produced my second special, you know, mm-hmm. Gary Goldman got me in at the comedy cellar. Uh, you know, David Tell helped me so much, you know, comics will be the ones to really help you, I think. Also, not to toot your own horn, but you were in The Joker, which is pretty fucking cool. I actually saw it with Nikki Glaser, and we started like bugging out. She we texted like, me right same. after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so cool. How did you pick the bit that you were going to do? Well, you know, I or did like did... 15 or 20 different bits. So Todd Phillips picked that bit, which I was like glad yeah. that's the bit he picked because that bit was pretty uh, consistent. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh, I was in The Joker and I, I got to do a bunch of material. It was so weird. I was in the trailer before Gary Goldman is in the movie too. And yeah. Gary walks up to me, you know, in his hilarious uh, 80s getup and goes, <laughs> this, com- this guy in the crowd kept laughing at the wrong time of my jokes and I nearly snapped on him. And then I realized it was Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. I was getting fucked with by Walking Phoenix and they didn't tell me because they wanted a genuine reaction. So I thought that was amazing. And then, so I kind of went in with my guard up a little, like is Joaquin gonna fuck with me too? And then mm-hmm. uh, I went up and uh, Todd Phillips was like, hey, so he's gonna, we're gonna follow him. You're on TV on the monitor and then he, you go off stage and Chris Red will bring you on stage. Uh, you know, Chris Red from SNL and, and yeah. Chris was the MC. Chris looked like Pryor. I'm like, Chris should, he had the mustache. I'm like, he should yeah. play Richard Pryor in a biopic. And uh, he brings me up and, and I, I did, I would do a different bit every take because I did like 15, 20 takes and I was kind of like, I don't want these extras to fake laugh, but it got to yeah. a point where I was like killing. They were really a good, I think they expected <laughs> me to suck. So they were like, wow, he actually has jokes. And then mm-hmm. uh, Todd would, Todd was so cool. He's such a nice person and he's so encouraging. Like he would really, uh, he would really just like in between takes be like, I love one joke he didn't like and he let me know. I have this joke about, I think it's pretty funny, but I, it's, <laughs> it was probably not right for the set because it was also like an act out. But I had a joke about how I dated a girl and she'd always say, you made me come. And I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, I may, like we'd be having sex and she'd be like, I'm about to come. And I'd be like, cool. And then she'd say, stay completely still. And I'd be like, all right. And she'd be like, you just made me come. And I'd be like, are you sure? It feels like I played dead with an erection. It feels like I didn't make you come. <laughs> so I did a whole thing. Like, that's like if I went to the barber shop and I did like an act out and like, I, I said, hold the buzzer right here. And I just rubbed my head around the buzzer. And I was like, that was all you, dude. You made me. You, you, that was that was great. But uh, that he, it did fine. Graphic. But he was like, this. that's a little much. And I was like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Todd. Uh, and he was right. And then I did um, a bunch of other bits. And they went with the, the, the drive. The Dayton is kind of like women look at sex like buying a car. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, men look at sex like buying a car. We're like, can I? Oh no, whip, fuck, I can't even do my own bit. The <laughs> women look at sex like buying a car. They're like, can I see myself in this long term? Is it safe? Is it reliable? Could it kill me? Men men look at sex like parking a car. We're like, there's a spot. There's another spot. Oh, I have to pay? Never mind. Handicapped. <laughs> Hope no one sees this. So they, they use that joke. And uh, it was cool. After the take, uh, 
Joaquin Phoenix is just like hanging. He's just kind of hanging out. I was about to ask you, yeah. did you have an interaction? Yeah, he was so nice. He was just like, man, I, I really like your comedy. You're like, you have a lot of jokes and they're just funny. They're not just like, he said, uh, he said, you know, a lot of comics just come off as desperate and they don't have jokes and, and you have jokes and I really like them. And uh, I was like, oh, that was really, what a nice moment. And uh, and then, yeah, and then Todd <laughs> Phillips was like, the way you, he's like, it's like, it was embarrassing because it was like in front of the crowd, but Todd Phillips was like, the way you act and do acting stuff all day, he just sits and writes jokes. That's what he does. And Walking Phoenix was like, huh. And I was like, this is fucking humiliating. This is the star <laughs> of the movie. And uh but they were they were really really cool both of them and uh, I think Todd said to me like this was a day we all needed because the shoot has been so dark and oh, and yeah. you were just being so silly uh, with the jokes and stuff and like we needed to laugh it was, it, it was like a I think part of the laugh with the crew in between takes was like just release because that's yeah. such a dark movie. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. And that scene was fun and refreshing when you got on. But also, I feel like comics, you're naturally acting on stage anyway. So, like, do you feel like, would you like to act in a movie one day? You know, stand-up is really what it's all about for me. Like, I'm all about stand-up, and I, I love it. And, I, and like, I, I want to keep doing it this much while I love it. And the road's gotten better. And now people mm -hmm. are coming out to shows. And, uh... But if it was, yeah, if it was the right thing, it, I don't want, it's, my agent would be like, here's an audition for uh, guy who guy at coffee shop and uh, the new girl or something. And I'm just like, I'm good. I don't, like, I'm not going to get it. It's going to take me all day. Yeah. Uh, it's like, here's 11 pages. You have one line, but you, it's on page six. You have to have someone read all 11 pages with you. So it's humiliating. I, I, I'm kind of over it. Uh, luckily with Joker, it was more like he just was like, I like you and Gary. So that worked. And yeah. I did a bit part in Billions once, but I, I, I but that was also because I knew Brian's compliments. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. usually if I get some, or if I've been on a show, Amy Schumer's show, it's like people are yeah. like, I know you, you can be in this. <laughs> it's not like you got this on merit. So uh, yeah, the only thing I would, I would like to do is... Uh, if they ever remake the Long Goodbye, the Elliot Gould movie, I want uh -huh. that role. That's the only one okay. I'm, I'm dying for. Uh, Grumbly, Put that in the universe. Grumbly PI, uh, great movie. I can see that for you. Yeah, I love that movie. I love Elliot Gould. So, when people who are your fans who are listening, how would you describe yourself as different off stage versus on stage? I think I'm probably nicer off stage. Oh. Because you can you can kind of sugarcoat stuff and and I do I I think on stage you have to be blunt you have mm -hmm. to be real you have like everything has to be dead on and sometimes mm -hmm. the truth isn't very nice mm. but with off stage you can be a little more gentle because on stage it's all about getting the quickest laugh and and being yeah. real to that moment and off stage you can be a human so yes, I think and you could have empathy and shit absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's nothing funny if like someone says I got fired, I have to make a joke about them getting fired. How do you get you know? But if, if they get fired in real yeah. life, go, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, there's a difference. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like crowd work, I'm a completely different person than in real life. <laughs> absolutely, because you get into the joke, and and they want to get ball bust a little bit. They people yeah, you give them people, a little. Give them a little smirk after. Let them know you're not trying to ruin their life. Um, I think they know. You're the, you're they're at a con I mean, the place is called Side Splitters. They're not like you know, <laughs> who's leaving the you know ballbusters. Who's leaving Magooby's um, joke house? Like he was mean. <laughs> <laughs> Magooby's does sound like a fun like after school program for kids. That's but, a real club. 
Yeah, I, I'm actually playing it for the first time in like October, so. It's a good club. Wish me luck. Oh no, it's good. We're gonna wrap this up with a final game called The Seven Deadly Sins. You're a little too comfortable in hell, which I don't know what that <laughs> says about you. Seven Deadly Sins. What are you greedy about? Greedy. You know what I'm probably greedy about is I can be a bad listener and that can be a little greedy. I think I can be, I, I'm very much in my head, maybe more selfish than greedy, but I think they're under the same umbrella. But that is very self-aware. Yeah. Well, I, mean, therapy? I mean, therapy, <laughs> he, he doesn't fix the problems. He just makes me go like, oh yeah, no, I know I'm shitty. I said the therapist, <laughs> I know I'm bad. And she's like, well, as long as you know, but no, I always say it's like, I'm a, I speak for a living. I'm going to be, a lot of people are bad at the opposite of their job. That's it's the opposite yeah. of what I do. I'm a yeah. bad listener and I'm working mm -hmm. on it. What? Oh. I'm just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you envious of? Probably uh, pro athletes. It looks so fun to be in the NBA. I, I think that the camaraderie and, you know, uh, I'm probably envious of, I would love to, to be a New York Knicks. So that's envious of like anyone who gets to, like maybe Julius Randle because he's, he's crushing it. He had a bad postseason, but like, man, what a yeah. cool life that is. It's funny because I was talking to Des beforehand, like if he had any inside scoop on you of like questions I should ask. And he was like, ask him if he wished he was a pro athlete. <laughs> wow. He nailed it. No, I, I, I think, I think but that's like, dead on. Being a Knicks fan, what kind of person do you have to be? Because like, yeah, my dad's a Knicks fan and he's never wavered. My family's from Brooklyn and my, and my grandpa was actually a basketball coach in Brooklyn growing up. So like we always use basketball as like metaphors for life, but sometimes it's tough yeah like because then you get like you remember when porzingis came we got like excited for a second and then yeah <laughs> no i remember i went i was at a game and he gave me a fist bump and i was so happy i remember being like oh my god porzingis i was i was the only dude wearing a porzingis shirt courtside because uh most of them dress well and mm -hmm. uh he just came over to me and was like fist bump and i was like oh <gasps> Uh, I mean, courtside at Knicks, I feel like that's kind of what I want for my career too one day to be like... Oh, I was with my agent. I didn't get those seats myself. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah, no, I, I love... I, I would love to be a Nick. That's like, the, I think that's who I'm jealous of. What are you gluttonous about? Like, what do you overindulge in? Coffee, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like mm -hmm. cup four today. I've been up since pretty <laughs> early. Uh, but that gluttony should be for food or is uh, anything any i'm like actually such a little bitch with coffee like if i don't drink and eat before i have coffee i'm like i like spaz out i guess i just the schedule of I, I like making my own at home i had hotel coffee and like oh if you want starbucks to taste amazing drink a cup of holiday Inn coffee and <laughs> and starbucks is gonna taste like oh my god where did you make where do you get these beans uh wait so you're like a barista at home I make oh yeah I make my own coffee I uh, uh -huh. I I do the grind and brew so it's like fresh oh, I love yeah. I love it I I'll drink truck stop coffee too but I I like mm -hmm. making my own coffee I'll How late will you drink coffee in the day I'll drink it late but no one drinks it I remember I would leave diners with Dave Attell at like four a.m. and he would get a large <laughs> iced coffee black to go <laughs> and uh, not I was like I'm it's insane to me I I'd be like that ain't that ain't He's good. Like, it's putting me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll drink it pretty late. I'm maybe like seven or eight. I won't go. I'm, I'm not like crazy with it, but uh, I mean, Do I work nice. Do you sleep nice. okay at night? No, I'm not. I'm not a great sleeper, <laughs> but uh, 
I always think each cup is going to turn it around, though. You know, I always like every <laughs> cup. I'm like, this is the one that'll make me. And I'm like, it's not a fucking antidepressant. It's a, <laughs> it's caffeine. But I always assume it's going to be like this will boost. It does boost my mood a little bit, but I do sound like a crackhead sometimes. My energy yeah. is so much higher during the day because of coffee, and then and at night I kind of slump. But oh, you can't yeah. stop it. <laughs> I can't stop. No, I'm like. I, I drink too I'll much coffee. I'll hear myself in conversation. I'm like, I'm like a podcast on times 0.5 and I can't stop myself even though I know I'm annoying everyone around me. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath? Like you come off like a pretty chill dude. Do you have an angry side? Jeez, really angry. It must be customer service related. <laughs> I'm trying to nail it, but I'm guessing it was probably, I was pretty pissed off at Delta because... Uh, there was like a four hour call time with no callback option and I fucking mm -hmm. let it go. I hate being that dude. You see those people on social media that are like, uh, Delta, you really drop it. You've, <laughs> you, you've lost a customer and I'm, I'm sure Delta's like, whoa, how will we bounce back? One, Wait, you went on Twitter? Uh, I, I, I did at Delta so people wouldn't see it yeah. as much, but yeah, I was pissed <laughs> off. I mean, it's like I fly them every week. I'm like, guys, hello. Uh, so yeah, that was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you were a sloth so like just lazy didn't do anything all day probably today after this mm -hmm. i'm probably gonna mm -hmm. sloth it up i i haven't had a lot of those days lately it's just because i'm on the road every week and then when i'm yeah. home it's just shit piles up like if i'm there yeah. three days i'm like if one thing falls out of place the whole day falls out of place and like if my if i'm if one thing goes long in new york i got, i had like i did a pod i do a podcast with my friend mark norman i was like mm -hmm. all right gotta run to the stand to do ari shafir show then i'm like shit i got dinner with dan saint germain my other friend then i'm mm -hmm. running i'm like shit dan i got a seller spot so i'm like running all around and if one thing <laughs> so i don't feel that i get to sloth it up but i'll 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 get better at that it, you've also are clearly a very hard worker what were you like as a high school student Pretty bad. I, I got good at the end because I think my parents were like, you're not going to get into a good college if you mm -hmm. keep fucking around. And I couldn't, I was like the class clown. And then, mm -hmm. you know, at a certain point, it's, it's not, it stops being funny. It's like, it's like the old dude at the bar where you're like, all right, dude, you're a little, it's not cool anymore, you know? So <laughs> uh, I, I hit like 11th grade or so and they were like, I started kind of including the teacher in the joke and I'd like do the reading <laughs> and I'd like make jokes about that. And the teacher was like, all right, I like this guy now. So I started to do, so I think like my grades, your bits improved, my bits improved and my <laughs> grades went up because they had to like, it, it was like a yeah. lot. It was like, it was like, you have to do better. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time, this is a tougher one. When was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something or like your ego, whether it's in re your relationships or with your career? I think all the time. I think it happens all the time. I mean, like, I can't even think of one time because it happens so much. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, we're in entertainment. We have fragile egos. I absolutely. I mean, I think like a part of it's almost like the opposite, where you where you just like feel comfortable, where you're, you know, like I think I've identified, and a lot of comics who are peers of mine feel this way. I think you identify as the underdog for mm -hmm. so long because things aren't going well that when they do mm -hmm. go well, you don't feel it, and you're just mm -hmm. like. Oh, I'm still, and then people are like, you're not an underdog anymore. Things are going okay. And so uh, I think pride can even like get in the way of that where you're just, you yeah. feel like, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a huge, ego is a huge problem for me. 
You're like, I want to be the black sheep. Stop yeah. treating me. Oh, I am the black sheep. I am in my family without my brother and sister are lawyers. I'm absolutely oh, yeah. the black sheep. Do you think you have daddy issues? Yeah, sure. I think I have mommy <laughs> issues too. I think I, I got everything issues. <laughs> okay, one one final thing with the dating. What is it like dating with social anxiety? You have a drink and you're usually a little better. I, I think alcohol helps that. But I, Actually, you know. I just had a weird memory. I think we matched once on the dating app. Did we really? I think we matched. I'm like, but like, I'm I'm talking like four years ago or something. Oh, okay. Wow. And we, we didn't, we didn't meet up. We didn't hook up. But I think it was, I think I said, I remember. Social anxiety, like like, I would not meet up with a lot of people on those things when I did them. I would, I would just like do the you match. You have like fun banter. Yeah. And they'd be like, I can't, I'm like that person. I'm that guy that girls hate, like not interested in just messaging. I'm like, I'm, I was that <laughs> dude. I would just not. <laughs> but you had to meet up with them for anything to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, occasionally it happened, but I was, I was bad at it. I also, yeah, it's like hard. Yeah. I don't want to take a night off stand up. I know I'm like not a, <laughs> it was always like a night off was always like, that would give me anxiety, not working. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were not about to be like, yeah, come watch my set tonight. I think I, I think I did do that a couple of times. Did it work? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Cause some comics are really against like family or girlfriends watching all the time. I think time. if you want a healthy relationship, you should be against that for a while and they should get to yeah. know you and not the stage you. And it took me a while to figure that out. True. True. I do think for anyone who's interested in dating comics, don't watch their, all their YouTubes four hours of them before you meet them. Cause you'll have preconceived notions that won't help you connect. Yeah. Um, or listen to every <laughs> podcast they've been on either. Oh God. When was the last time you lusted over someone? I know you're with someone right now. Do you have a celebrity crush? He thinks this is a trap right now. It he is doesn't a trap, know what to do. but I'll fall into it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, obviously my girlfriend, but I will say if we're going outside of her, Mariska Hargitay, early seasons of SVU. Oh, sure. I love that for New York, you. New York cop, hard-nosed, yeah. badass. Yeah, Mariska Hargitay, SVU. I'm very into her. Yeah. yeah, I think everyone's attracted to her. Sam, you've done amazing. To wrap this up, one final question. What advice would you give to people on how to cope with your hell? Like when it's dark and you're in it, how do you get through it? Well, you know, it, I think remembering that it's it's hopefully temporary, the hell you're in, and that it'll most likely pass. And, you know, reach out to friends. Don't be a stranger. This is getting serious. <laughs> and uh just be uh you know if you need it there are places to call even if you can't think of a friend there's you know hotlines for that so uh i think just try to weather the storm and hopefully hopefully it gets better hell yeah it's true nothing stays the same sam where can people watch your youtubes obviously on youtube but give me the info and then where can people follow you listen to you give me all the goods watch you on tour i have two specials on youtube i got this and uh up on the roof and they're mm -hmm. both a lot of fun i think you'll like them and i got uh a drinking podcast with Mark Norman called We Might Be Drunk. A basketball podcast with Stavros Halky is called Pod Don't Lie. And oh, I didn't know about that yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, and we and uh, yeah, I'm on social. I'm on all the social media. So just Sam Morel, S A M M O R R I L. Amazing. Well, you guys just have a great new comic to add to your repertoire of entertainment. And thanks for coming to hell today. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>